Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics, the live and in-person edition. I'm Steve, and with me here, as not always, but <laughs> hopefully always again. Yes, from now on. It's EJ. It is damn good to see you not through Zoom. Likewise. Likewise. And I'm sure that all of our listener are thinking, it's damn good not to see you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, recommendation, go ahead and sell your Zoom stock. I canceled my subscription since I don't need it anymore for our podcast. So. This has been a sea change. It's a turning point. We're here at Half Acre Balmoral, soon to be Half Acre's only spot. Yes. But Half Acre Balmoral, beautiful space. We, uh, we had our last beer together in person in this space last summer. Yes. And it's just great to be here. Yeah. No, it's great good to, to be, be here. Good to be back. So cheers. Cheers. Uh, we talked about going to Sketchbook, which is the last place we podcasted from. Uh, up in Evanston, but I feel like, like I think there's bad mojo with that now. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, like we go there and then suddenly we have a pandemic and everything. Yeah, a hundred percent of the time that we've been to Sketchbook together, it has led to a, a global <laughs> global pandemic. So, you know, I'm just gonna say that that was probably related. Yes, yes. I, yes. You you might argue with the statistical significance of this, but I won't. So <laughs> I won't. I'm not go. I'm not willing to risk it. Right. Right. It feels very truthy, if you remember that. Yes. That old Colbert, that Colbertism. Uh, uh, those times. Back in those days. Yes. So so how, how have we gotten here from there, from Sketchbook? Was that in, like, February of? That was in March of last year. Okay. Well, okay. this, yes, last year. Yes. Here it's March 7th, right. March 7th. That was our last podcast done at Sketchbook. And so I kind of actually went back and listened to that podcast a little bit just to see if we had any, like, you know, really dumb prognostications or anything like that. And, like, overall, I feel like we got it pretty, we had a pretty good sense of it. Where I think we sort of lost track of things was thinking in terms of, like, oh, yeah, lockdown for a month. Like, and then where are you even talking about lockdowns? We are talking about, like, work travel. Like, maybe not traveling for the next month. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. How'd that, how'd that, that work out for those us? Those work trips were the last work trips we took, I think. Yeah. I, had we really been good at prognosticating, we would have bought stock in Zoom. Right. And actual Zoom, not that other company that's called, has the Zoom ticker symbol that a lot of people bought that, yes. by the way, was not a yes. video conference. Although, there is a parallel here is that this recorder that we're using to record this is a Zoom recorder. Different Zoom, though. So, it's all Zoom. It's too confusing. I know. It's too confusing I for know. me. Uh, but it was interesting to like see going back and seeing how quickly things turn because like on our February twenty first podcast, we were talking about COVID. We were talking about like you know some outbreak in Korea. Um, you know, we were like kind of didn't want to talk about it anymore at right. that point. Like it sounds scary. Let's not talk about it. But uh, and then two weeks later, when we did our next podcast, it was like okay, well the West Coast is having some problems. And a week later um, was when I when I went on lockdown. Like this, like the Illinois was not officially on lockdown yet, but it was like within a week of that that, that we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know when we talked in the on the seventh, I had just gotten back from California. Right. And there were like as I was going to the airport, I was seeing news reports of cases in Emeryville 
scenic Emeryville, California, where I was. And I was right. like, oh, oh, boy. Yeah. I got to I got to stop this. And, yeah, I, and I had one more work trip after yeah, that. And my last work trip was a, like a week before that was to Seattle, where the other like major outbreaks were happening. And I remember on that trip, like we were just like, let's just not shake hands. <laughs> it was like, but overall, it was otherwise a fairly normal business work yeah. trip. Like, OK. Yeah. And now we're all back. Right. When's your right. next work trip? I have no idea. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Because, like, I think we still should be doing them, and I still like them. But I don't know if they're, they're going to be like, eh, do you really need that? We'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but, yeah, but going back and listening to that, like, like we, you know, we were talking about, like, how does the Trump administration get people to trust what they're saying, yeah. which never really happened. But... We did eventually learn the name Fauci, which we did not know at that point in the podcast. Like, but yet he would rise to prominence. Yeah, it, it has actually surprised me when I saw that in the notes. You know, it surprised me that you're right. We didn't know anything about Fauci, but somehow we didn't know anything because he's been in the same role. You know, I think since the '60s. Right. Right. So every time there he would may have, have been actually been born in that role. <laughs> exactly, just just like a little baby Fauci with the mask on, and mm-hmm. then like just, just kind of rolling around. Up. And yeah, it was uh, you know he's he's played a role in the government for a long time. We just never somehow yes. heard of him. I guess we just didn't care unless our own people were dying. Right. Well, yeah, pretty much. That's um, <laughs> that's the way we are here. Um, and we we're talking about the possible, you know, like. You know, how we might react once somebody famous got COVID. Because mm-hmm. at that point, Tom Hanks hadn't gotten COVID yet. But but now he has. Or had. He's had, doing fine yeah. now. In He's Australia. Good. He's good. And look, But it, and it was weird because it was in Australia, too. Yes. Because they're like, well, it's Tom Hanks' buddies. Yes. He's in a whole other hemisphere. Right. Like, It's Australian really. Tom Hanks. It's a yeah. totally different thing. That, that might as well have been an Australian celebrity. It's like Tom Hanks with a very large knife. and. <laughs> You know. Exactly. Right. From the desk of Hanks. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyhow. anyhow. Um, it was, uh, like, we didn't, like I said, we didn't do anything, saying anything too crazy. Um, but it was just, like, interesting, like, to compare how quickly things changed then to how quickly I feel like things are changing now <clears throat> again. Yeah. Um, with all the announcements around... Um, you know, changing the policies around masking and all of that. Um, but we'll get to that in, in a moment. Um, I think another transition point was we talked a lot about toilet paper hoarding back then. Um, but we've now moved on to gasoline. So, yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of people from the southeast, from, from the Carolinas specifically, and hearing them talk about it, I just feel bad for them. Yeah. I just feel bad for them. And and they say things like, I just wish those people would set themselves on fire when they're filling up the first <laughs> bag of right? gas. Like, just save us the time, people, because that's what's going to happen. I did see a, a report of somebody's, like, Hummer, like, catching on fire as they're driving along with these bags of gasoline in the I, back I mean, of their car. <laughs> I mean, all of the pictures that I've seen, and I, like, I hope some are Photoshopped, right? right? But people, you know... People filling whatever they can. Yeah. Plastic bins, the bags. Maybe I saw somebody with a laundry basket. Yes. 
Yes. I don't know You're, how well that's going to work for right. them. Right. Like, if, like you know, there's holes there. Uh, whatever. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but interesting related to all that is that there were, even before the pipeline shut down, there was a shortage of people to drive gasoline trucks. Hmm. Because, like, it actually takes a special certification. You don't just, like, go drive, you know, a regular rig because you got to deal with, like, you know, handling the distribution of the gas and pumping it into the tanks or whatever. And, okay. And, okay. you know, chemical fires that might happen because you're hauling gasoline. And apparently there's a shortage of these drivers because they, during the pandemic, we didn't need as much gasoline. So they went and got other jobs. Right. <coughs> wait, wait, wait. You're saying that the companies that employed them didn't do everything they could to take care of those employees and keep them. I know them that sounds crazy, but yeah, it does shocking. seem that might be the case. It is shocking that yes. they did not do they, that. It's, it's almost like they didn't have foresight to, to think maybe this pandemic will end at some point and we'll need those people to drive around gasoline. And so, of course, right. now it's the fault of the people who aren't driving the gasoline trucks. Right, right, right. exactly. And, and, Russian hackers and pipelines and, and all that. Well, good I mean, stuff. I think I think there are two you know two sides to this. One is the infrastructural things, yes, right, and colonial colonial pipeline, which you just love. You know, when something's called colonial, you know, you know, it's in one of about <laughs> six states, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> so colonial pipeline. And there's saying, at least a fifty fifty chance it's involved in distribution of gasoline or coal or yeah. Something like that. Or it's Williamsburg. Or it's in Williamsburg. Which, colonial you know, Williamsburg. Colonial Williamsburg. As opposed to the other Williamsburg, which is not as colonial. I, but, but by I law, assume. you've got to call it Colonial Williamsburg. Right, yes. Um, TM. <laughs> so, yeah, nice. So the, you know, the idea that, you know, they, they get hit by this ransomware and, you know, I guess they don't have backups or whatever. And they won't let the government help. Yeah, that's the thing that's a little suspect. Like they're like, ah, oh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you any info. Uh, we we can't give you access to the servers. I know you could probably help us, but but, but we, yeah, we don't want gonna, you finding out all the dirty things you've gotten here. Or I, I think that's it, right? Yeah, and and so they just paid the paid the hackers off, just paid them off. And it was like forty five million, right? It was a big number. Yeah, I don't know. It was and like so six money, Bitcoin. It's probably going to go to fund other operations like this. Fund the Russian government. Fund. I, uh, well, the best part about it was hearing that the hacking group behind it, and I've forgotten their name right off the top of my head, but maybe I'll remember it, said they were going to retire now. <laughs> well, I feel like we're it's good. that, like, standard. We're good. No, that's, that's the beginning of the heist movie, right? It's like, oh, we're going to retire. We just got our one last big score, and it's like, or, or we could do this other one. Yeah. How about all of the power infrastructure in Texas? Right. That's pretty vulnerable. Cut, cut to montage of George Clooney meeting with people. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, lots of rubles paid out by Colonial yes. Pipeline. Yes. Uh, again, don't want anybody's help. So that's one side of that story. I think that other side about no drivers for the trucks. Right. And, you know, complaints about the no drivers for the trucks, which is just our... People kind of coming back to work and the yeah. free market really doing its job and saying, if you're not paying enough, people aren't going to do the jobs. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, from the, you know, since roughly the 80s, it was, you know, if you're an employer, like there was no, no incentive to invest in your employees, right? It's like you, you hire and fire them at your whim. 
you know, we're, we're having a little bit of a backlash against that. Like, you know, I know restaurants that shut down completely during the pandemic, but were able to come back with the same employees because, you know, whatever they pay, you know, I don't know the details of that, but there was at least enough loyalty that they came yeah. back and were like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll keep going and work that place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some places really, I think, did a, did a good job of trying to both follow the rules for protection and safety and also yeah. just generally trying to be good people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I've found, this is a bit of an aside, but looking for meeting spaces, I, I, I'm part of another uh, a, a political group and we were looking for meeting spaces because our previous place that we'd been to for years and years and years kind of flouted all the rules and they treated people like crap and we don't want to go back there. Yeah. And I think that's going to be more of a trend. I think we're, you know, you're going to find out places like Tank Noodle in Chicago. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Or just. Yeah, there's another, there's a restaurant that I used to really like going to. um, Found out they were on the naughty list for hosting like a private dinner during a time when they weren't supposed to have anybody indoors. It's like, no, I'm not going to eat there ever again. Like, I can take my business elsewhere. There are plenty of restaurants in Chicago that you know did things the right way and I, I feel like i should reward them for it but yeah absolutely anyhow absolutely so let's talk about those changes though the the, yes. the mask changes that yes. came out on thursday like or friday friday thursday right. right it was like and it's like we went from like overly conservative to like wait wait whoa 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 whoa, whoa. slow your roll like <laughs> what what are we doing here um i don't know like what's your, what's your take on it because i think your perspective might be a little different than mine but but mine has shifted a little as I've thought about it. More, so. I, I, my, my feeling is that, you know, the moment they come out and say fully vaccinated people don't have to wear a mask at all. Yeah. Feels to me like it puts everybody in a very hard position because what they were releasing was personal guidance. Right. It was really saying you as a as a fully vaccinated person. Yes. You don't need to worry about dying from COVID or getting a severe infection or spreading and, it to somebody yeah, else. And the spreading it part is, I think, the critical part as far as that guidance is concerned is like, yeah. yes, I've, I've been vaccinated now. And so ultimately, the risk that I present to you as a vaccinated person is probably, I would guess at this point, lower than even if I was wearing a mask. Like like the, the effects of the vaccine yeah. are, are that good at this point. And, no. and there was data that they base these decisions on around how things are going in Israel, where they have vaccines, you know, for and a part how, of the country. Yeah. And yeah, and how it was uh, reacting to different strains and, and, and all of that. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And I, I, I get all that. Nuance is not something that the country is very good at. That's what I'm absorbing. figuring out. <laughs> and, you know, I think it puts a lot of people in a hard position, both, you know, people who run businesses yeah um because then you're like well and and they said you still have to abide by local mask mandates right okay great so what when those people come in and say like oh i'm vaccinated i don't have to wear a mask you don't have any proof of that i don't really like the idea of vaccine passports anyway you know i think that's tough you also have you know it's only been in the last week that kids from 12 to 15 right. could get vaccinated. So none of them are fully vaccinated at this point. Exactly. Yes. And kids under 12, of which there are at least a couple. There are three. Yeah. So so then you've got, if you are the parent, let's say you're like me, right? My, 
myself and my wife are vaccinated. Um, great. We're fully protected. Our 13-year-old got his first shot on Friday because we were on that, you know, just like t- trying to get shots. Yep. Great. But we have an 11-year-old who's not going to be able to get vaccinated for some indeterminate amount of time. Maybe it's September. Maybe it's, you know, later. It's within a year at least. We yeah, know but that. what do we do? <laughs> right. Right? What, right. What do we do? There's right. the other. The other side of that is, you know, within the last three weeks, I've, you know, I would say actually the closest person to me, um, the person I've known the best who has been impacted the most by COVID was my, and this is going to seem like a stretch, but the the patriarch of the family that lived in the house next to me growing up. So somebody I knew, you know, for years and years and years, um, still in touch with the, the kids who are, you know, my age and but like somebody I knew very well passed away a couple of weeks ago from COVID. Yeah. After being fully vaccinated. Yeah. So it was a breakthrough case. Yep. He was older. He so. So I know that that's you know a single data point. Yeah. It is. It is. It is one thing to talk about these things in aggregate. Is another thing to talk about individuals and ultimately. Yeah. We're, we're never going to have a perfect vaccine, and we certainly we have a pretty damn good vaccine at this point. Um, vaccines. Vaccines, correct. Yes. I mean, I'm going for all three, but... Yes, yes. Yeah. Just line them up in your arm. Got to catch fine. them all. Catch all those spike proteins. Um, so when I read the guidance changes, my attitude on it was, this is begging the question. It is saying... Here is, like, if you are not vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If you are vaccinated, you're good to go. But for a business, like, you don't know. And so, basically, it leads to, all right, let's do vaccine passports. Let's, let's do something like that. Um, however, in the days since then, um, we've seen what's happened, how it's been reacted to. You see... Uh, Walmart and Starbucks are like, well, you know, unless there's a local ordinance, we're not going to do any mask enforcement anymore. Like, that's not really what they were saying. But, okay. Uh, You see that uh, Pritzker is now reconsidering uh, the executive order around the mask mandate and how that's going to be applied. And and I keep on, I'm like, you don't know if they've been vaccinated or not. And the honor system is stupid. Like, like, if there is an honor system that was effective in this country, the 1-6 thing would not have happened. Like, that's just, <laughs> like, that's just not how any of this is working. So, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with it as I see how people are reacting to it. Because I do nuance, and apparently nobody else does. Um, I certainly don't. You right. certainly don't, and I respect <laughs> that. Um, that's why you like the hoppy beers, I think. It's um, true. So, but, you know, the other thing about this is that... Ultimately, right now, if you look at the trends and cases and all that, assuming that there's not a really rapid change in how we're responding to this and we don't see some, like, uptick in cases, in about a month and a a half, we'll be done with COVID. Like, I mean, like, in the United States. So, like, if you look at the way the case rates are going, new cases are going away right now. About eight, you know, we're losing, about basically there's, you follow the trend, it's about 8,000 less every week uh, in terms of new cases. Hmm. So, 
it may be that this policy change means absolutely nothing because we're going to be done with it by the time any of the impacts would have happened. And that, you know, your son who cannot get vaccinated won't be at risk because it won't be circulating anymore. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, but, but I think your point about the rates, vaccination rates, though, vary differently across communities. Sure. And to me, one of the big things that I worry about is that communities of color who are, in general, less vaccinated, yeah. have less access to health care, um, will start to, well, no, no, I'm sorry, will continue to bear the greater brunt of the infection. Certainly. And because everybody else is like, yeah. I'm done with this. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I guess we'll, it's just we'll like. lose track of it. Does, does this really change how people behave and how rules are enforced and all that in enough of a way that it, and we won't know, we're no. going to know for a, several weeks what happens. So at this point, like, I feel comfortable going into a restaurant indoors and having a meal with a friend of mine. And a lot of that comes down to assumptions about, you know, things are pretty well spaced out. I'm tending to go to smaller locations. I have a fair comfort level with the vaccination rates in our area. There's usually a lot of windows open and things like that. So, like, it's all, like, technically I'm indoors, but it's almost like I'm even a little still outdoors. And so, like, that, you know, I feel okay with that. But, like, if we suddenly say, okay, full occupancy, masks are on the honor system, I think I'm going to back off of that for a little while. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's an interesting point. I mean, I'm sort of in the... I'm probably going to wear a mask more than is recommended because I'm and this sounds this sounds very something but like I don't want anybody else to be kind of nervous about it, right? Like Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. like I, it doesn't bother me to wear a mask at this point. It's I'm still in a it feels weird to not to you know, I've I've gone to a couple places in the last couple days where I didn't need to wear one, and I still wore one. Yeah, uh, no, I'm the and same. It, and it's not because you know I'm not worried about myself. I'm not worried about giving it to anybody else. But I'm also like, you know what? Nobody's going to look at me and be stressed out here. Now, yeah. if I were in a different part of the country, it'd be a we- I'd be wearing it for my benefit, not for theirs. <laughs> it'd be like the full respirator. Yeah, yeah it, it, it <laughs> could be right. Yeah, like hey, when I'm at a gas station and the guy next to me is filling up a you know a garbage bag right and like you do <laughs> like you do and he's not wearing a mask i'm thinking i'm probably gonna wear a mask yeah if you're filling up a garbage bag you probably aren't vaccinated if for no other reason than when his bag catches on fire it will help with the smoke yeah exactly but let me just let me let me give a shout out to my favorite republican governor mike dewine <laughs> mike dewine starting the lot the million dollar lottery for your vaccination in the state of Ohio. So if you are 18 and over in the state of Ohio and you get vaccinated, you get entered into a I million dollar I had no idea lottery. about this. When oh, did this yeah. start? Uh, last week. Really? Beginning of last okay. week. And now huh. you're going to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can get vaccinated if you're under 18. What about them? Also a good question, Steve. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Mike DeWine is giving away a full-ride scholarship to any of Ohio's Premier universities, including Ohio, the, the Ohio, Ohio State, State University, <laughs> maybe a Bowling Green, maybe a Ball State. I can keep going. Denison University, probably. 
University of Miami. At Ohio? Ohio? Probably. Yeah, sure. I don't know. We can get some or is that a private? I think that's a private institution, I, isn't I, it? I, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Does know. it apply to? I don't know. Anyway. So there you go. I, and that actually tells you so much about what's going on. We're bribing people now. Hey, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm all for that. And, you know, what's really interesting, and maybe the last thing to say about this uh, before we talk about sort of actual politics. Right. Is I was on the phone with my friends in Norway the day that my child was getting vaccinated. And he's like, yeah, hopefully I'll get a vaccine uh, late June, early July. And yeah. I'm just like, that's insane. It's insane. We can't give it away here. People are buying cards, fake cards, to say they've been vaccinated I when they could get the vaccine for like, free. Like, people, people, the vaccine is free. And if you're concerned about side effects, let's keep in mind, COVID-19 has been far less rigorously tested by the FDA, and it has many more side effects. Okay? So can you just, just stop? Just, just if you could, just, you know, if those people don't want to get their vaccines, then let's start getting them to countries that need the supply that, you know, get those to India, yeah. get those to uh, Norway for yeah. our, for our uh, large uh, collection of listeners in Norway. Yeah, that, that we, our second biggest audience, I think. So I, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm yes. all for that. Yes. They're probably getting that. AstraZeneca's vaccine, though. <laughs> you poor suckers. Suckers. <laughs> got to get that uh, Pfizer. Got to get the German one. Oh, I got the Moderna. Uh, we'll fight about it later. That's right. Uh, so, domestically, politics. Right. I do notice that, like, over the last year, we've done a lot more news than politics. But but I feel like that's going to shift. I, I, I think it will, but I think it's also, you know, the pandemic should not have been a political story. Should not be. Oh, certainly. Yes. But it still is. It has been, and it, and, it, and it will, because our politics are culture wars. Yeah. And there's no better example of that than Liz, my father's a war criminal, Cheney. Right. Right? Like, like you know, the raging liberal, Liz Cheney. You know, that's the thing I think is most interesting to me about this. And so, you know, in, in case you haven't been following, uh, Liz Cheney has been voted out of her leadership position within the Republican Party. The, the conference chair. The conference chair. So head of messaging for yes. the Republican and Party. Like, kind of like third in line-ish. Sure. Sure. That there's um, any kind of, I, I don't know what that hierarchy is. I don't know really like how means, that ascension works there. Um, probably involves how loyal you are to Trump. <laughs> Which turns out, speaking of which, um, so yeah, so she uh, refused to give in to the lie that the election had been stolen, had spoken out against that, and has since been uh, punished for that by uh, losing her position within the party. Yeah, so it it sort of started the the backlash to Liz Cheney, Republican representative from the great state of Wyoming, uh, started when she voted to impeach Donald Trump. Yes. And... Was has been very outspoken about it, and has said, "Look, this is very anti-democratic." I mean, she's gone on every news program, and when she's asked a direct question about it, she answers directly. Yes. And you know, back in March, there was a vote to get rid of her as the conference chair. It was a secret ballot. 
And she survived that vote, two to one margin. Now, you know, since then, I think people in the Republican Party thought that she was going to get the message in air quotes that she needed to start, you know, holding water and she will not. And, you know, and that's the weird thing about this. Like, there is not a person in Congress, I'm sure, whose policy positions I disagree with more than Liz Cheney. Yes. But yet I felt some sympathy for her. Yes. Which is shocking to me. And now somebody out there might say, like, oh, I bet you you hate Matt Getz more. Like, yeah, of course I do. He's an idiot. He doesn't have any policy positions, though. Like, his, his voting record is not as conservative as Liz Cheney's. Yeah. Neither is Boebert or, you know, like, any of them. But Yeah, and I feel like it's like a clear break point for the Republican Party. Like, I mean, there's been a, obviously a very steady decline uh, throughout many years now. But that they are burning somebody down who was clearly aligned with the party's traditional political positions yeah because of insufficient loyalty to dear leader and and that's what the shift has been is less and less of a mooring to specific political interests and values and more and more about pure raw power and with Trump that cult of personality around yeah him. and it's I mean, again, we've we've talked a lot about not focusing on hypocrisy, but like, you know, what I said about cancel or what I said about everything being a culture war, you know, and Republicans trying to just build on cancel culture and how they're oppressed. And then at the same time saying like, yes, we're absolutely going to try to cancel one of our own members for having a an opposite opinion. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. I would still the Big Ten party. never vote <laughs> for Liz Cheney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I happen yeah. to agree well, with no, her. You know, no, no. If I lived in Wyoming, I would probably vote for Liz Cheney. That's an open primary. Because I, given the alternative. Because, <laughs> and that will be an interesting thing, is she certainly has the resources to run an effective election in the state of Wyoming. Yes. But will she end up getting beaten out by a Trump loyalist because she was not sufficiently loyal? I, I think there will be too many stupid people who run. She'll end up care. She'll end up getting through it. She'll be the least stupid. Yeah. And thus, um, well, I mean, I mean, you just see, you see this sort of crystallization of the stupid yes. in some candidates. So, Marjorie Tyler Green. Bobert, you know, whomever, yeah. like, they're not going to be able to beat Cheney. There will be too many of them, and they'll split the they'll vote, split and the she'll vote. be fine. Yep. Um, uh, uh, okay. I don't even like the idea that I want her to win. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I don't. And she's being replaced. She's been replaced now by Elise Stefanik from upstate New York, somebody who ran. Who is le- like, her politics are actually less bad Except for the whole loyalty to Trump thing. Yeah, I mean, she ran as somebody who would, you know, cross the aisle and be very moderate. I mean, she she ran specifically saying, 
I want to work with whoever has the best ideas. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. That's not important to me once I get there. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I think but, mostly but, but hail Trump. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's it, right? Like she's clearly smart enough to know the way the winds are blowing. No, and the Republican Party really couldn't take away their only female in a leadership role and replace them with another old or reasonably old yeah. white guy. Yeah. And so she was in the right place at the right time, probably has other aspirations. Oh, yeah. And Trump loves her. Yeah. And thinking about this a bit, it's like a lot of people were frustrated with the lack of leadership shown by Republicans who were in power and their in a, unwillingness to push back against Trump and the, the false claims about the election and all of that. And, and really, fundamentally, you have to remember that politics, like, politicians are not leaders. Like, we talk about them in those terms, but they're, they're generally speaking, not. Like, maybe 20% of them are. The rest of them are people who like the, the, the crowd and the popularity and, yeah. and are, generally speaking, going to do what their constituents want them to do. 80% of the time, that's good. We want them to do what the constituents want them to do. The problem is, right now, what will get them elected in certain parts of the country is being uh, fastidiously loyal to Trump. Because if they're not, an alternative will pop up that is. Correct. And so that's that, to me, is is the key point there. That the Republican Party will will not just disagree with somebody who's established, who won't spread the big lie, but they will work against them, right? So it doesn't do the Republican Party generally any good. It doesn't change, you know, if you, if you took Liz Cheney from a, from a policy standpoint, getting laws passed, if you took her and replaced her with a syncophantic, you know, Trumpist. That will, <laughs> which that, we will. <laughs> yes, that will not change their ability to pass laws. Right. But the message that it sends is that this is the most important thing for us, and that's what's scary to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's what's scary to me. Yeah. And and I think, you know, one of the things that uh, was interesting in the last week, you know, around all that is that. There's finally been an agreement in the in the House uh, coming out of the the Homeland Security Committee to have a have a commission to investigate the insurrection on January 6th. And there were a lot of blockers to that. You yep. know, people were saying, well, OK, well, I guess we could look at it if we look at Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Like, but no. Those are different things. Yes. Um, and it Unrelated. Was, and there's actually some pretty decent support in the Senate for looking at it. Yeah. Already bipartisan support. Um, so it was a real challenge to get it passed, past committee in the House. It looks like it's going to get passed. Ten people, five appointed by Republicans, five appointed by Democrats. But, of course, you know, McCarthy came out right afterwards and said, like, I don't know. I didn't hear about any of this. Like, yes, he did. Um <laughs> Shut up. But I, but this that's is the same guy who will go meet with Biden and then like uh, 
after he's done with that meeting, you know, talking about how, you know, it was a good, productive meeting, like he'll send out a fundraising thing about corrupt Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also said this week, I don't think anybody's questioning the results of the 2020 election. You sure about uh, that? You sure about that? I mean, even the people around him are like, I'm doing that. Just well, they're like, like uh, they're, their hands they're really up, like, like, actually, we're not. There's no questions. We know it was stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the nuance. Yeah. But I'm, we don't do nuance. Remember that. No, that fair. Fair. Um, so, so hopefully that'll go forward. Hopefully that will go forward. Um, I want to talk about the uh, what's in the infrastructure bill. I love the infrastructure. Yeah, bill. we should totally do some infrastructure. I don't know what it's what's called. What's in the bill? Though? I Lots of things. I think it's called the American Jobs Act. Is it the American Jobs Act? I'm sure We're, it I is. was talking about this it's with some people like the other day. It's like, wait, is this the American Jobs Act or the American Families Act or the Working Families Act? The Working Family Jobs Act? Working in jobs and families. Working in jobs. Working job families. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely infrastructure is very broad now, which yes, is good, which, which is, is fine. fine. Because it includes things like broadband. Yes. It includes things like training people to do different jobs. Yes. Um, it's got a lot of green, kind of green in air quotes again, kind of policies that that underpin it. Right. So we'll see. We, I mean, I, I don't even know. It's like right, right now we're in this like trying to be bipartisan phase of things, even though we know full well that no Republican will vote for it. Like, I mean, ultimately, if you're going to actually have a bipartisan bill happen. You have to get 10 Republicans to sign on to it. There is no such thing as 10 Republicans in the current Senate that will sign on to literally anything. So, no, 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 that's not true. The, uh, the resolution around uh, violence against Asian Americans, that got nearly unanimous votes in the Senate. Like, I know that's true, but yet I'm somehow skeptical of it. <laughs> like, like yeah, really? It did? Yeah, huh. yeah. yeah. Like, Everybody okay. but, uh, but Senator Hawley. Yeah. Not surprisingly. Right. Who I think actually used a slur when he said uh, why he wasn't voting for it. Probably. Um, um, or said something like, I don't know. They're n I'm always nice to the people at my dry clean. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah. But, I mean, I will say there's, that does have a... If anything was going to get bipartisan, excuse me, bipartisan support, that would be the thing because there is a pretty broad public interest in getting that done. I mean, you've got the the bridge failing near Memphis, um, although there's conspiracy theories that somebody cut the bridge to help support the bill because oh, I hadn't heard that one. Yet. Yeah, you have all of Texas. Yes, <laughs> I mean the Texas power grid just failed yeah um really interesting stuff actually you know if we had a side moment i got i got in a rabbit hole looking at texas state policy i don't know why around energy really fascinating stuff because the roles are all reversed there yeah they're all reversed we'll, we'll talk about it on a future podcast no, we probably won't and that's also okay <laughs> No, but that's it. Okay, so I, we haven't done this in a while, so he, let me remind you. Here's how this works. We talk about say, saying we'll, we'll do something in a future podcast, All right. and then we don't do it. All right, fine. <laughs> Very rarely we will, but just to keep you guessing. Exactly, just, um, just to keep you guessing. Somebody might be signing up, because we know we have 
at least one listener viewer from Texas. Right. Who could be like, oh, my Although God. Although she moved back here. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yes, our official ambassador to Texas has now returned to Illinois. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> it is not a bummer. <laughs> I mean, it's a bummer for Texas. It's a bummer for Texas, yes. Texas has clearly declined because of this. Exactly. Uh, so, speaking of states in the that south warm? that have craziness going on, let's talk about some cyber ninjas. I have to keep talking about this because it's hilarious, crazy, terrifying, right? <laughs> and yes. this is the thing yes. that we as, you know, and I think this is the biggest problem with us liberals is that we often make jokes about things as our way to cope with the fear. Yes. But as we mentioned before, the state Senate in Arizona has uh somehow started to allow a third audit after two recounts of the votes in Maricopa County. Which I have to say, I'm very surprised that they haven't they haven't found fraud yet. Like you, you would think they would have made up enough at this point that it would have it would have happened, but yet somehow they still have not. But no. So they've hired a company called Cyber Ninjas. We talked about them before. It's a Florida company that started uh, I think they started in October, I think they were founded in October of 2020. They've never done anything like vote auditing before. So you feel like a company with the name Cyber in it would have been from like yeah, the sure. late 90s at least. That's true. But there's been sort of the resurgence of, of Cyber. It's come, it's come back into fashion again. Uh, that's, that's an interesting You know point. what? It's every time we start thinking VR is cool again is when we talk about Cyber again. Huh. 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 Anyhow, we'll check that out in a future podcast. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we're looking. So currently, we're looking for bamboo fibers. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it like, is uh, it is it is insane what's going on. Right. They're hiring anybody and everybody. Yeah. So the guy that owns or runs Cyber Ninjas um, has has been posting, you know, stop the steal, you know, big lie stuff from the beginning. Yes. Um, they've hired. People who were seen at the insurrection on January 6th. Yes. Is the My Pillow guy involved yet? Uh, maybe, and we'll get to that. Okay, let me, let all right, come all back right, to that. All right. um, we have people who have who are have been hired, um, who are actually from nonprofits, who are just saying this is insane, right? Because of the things they're looking for, right? Like first of all, there's no security. They're not following any of the procedures that you need to to protect right. the ballots. They have blue pens, which is something you can't have. Because the ballots are marked with blue, blue pens. pens. Right. And so, so it would be awfully like, easy to doctor the ballots right. if one also had a blue pen. And, and By as the you way, said, can I just say how silly it is that, the, that our election integrity could come down to the color of a pen? But go on. Yeah. But as you said, like they are pursuing every conspiracy theory. So they're using UV light to look at the ballots to see if they have bamboo in them. Because, and I quote... Those people in Asia use bamboo in their paper, and they believe that, you know, all of these ballots were flown in to Maricopa County. Right, because you can't source fake ballots here. You have to fly them in from China. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's from, astounding. From, from the Orient, I think, would probably be more, more how they would phrase it. But, yeah. yes, it, it's... I it's, mean, it, it, is, it is really terrifying. And, yeah. and to me, and here's the thing, 
there's no oversight. So, well, Cyber Ninjas is the oversight. I don't understand. What's, what's the problem? The here? state senate had allocated $150,000 to this. <laughs> it is costing... <laughs> Which is an absurdly low number. <laughs> ...and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, and easily. The, the, the rest is being picked up by private donors. And we have no idea who those private donors are. I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's going the Green right Party using the money from yeah. the recount from 2016. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all going directly to cyber ninjas. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it's great if you're a cyber ninja. It is, it is really By the way, cyber terrifying. ninja is a cool name. I'm not going to lie. It's a terrible name. Well, like a cyber ninja, like just as a concept, like... It's like right, from fine. a Neil Stevenson novel. Yes, that's why, that's why I like it. Come on. All right, anyhow. If you get that joke, good on you. If you don't, go You're read my Snow Crash. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend Snow Crash. Hero protagonist. The, yeah. uh, Hero protagonist. Anyway, friend it's, the, it is, the pod. <laughs> again, it is, it is very terrifying, but we make jokes about it to deal with our terror. Because anything could come out of there, and chances are what will come out is very ambiguous results that everybody fundraises against. Yeah. And so, dance, puppet, dance. Anyway. So, uh, that's Arizona. The, the other thing I think we wanted to talk about was, and I, this is always the lighter side of Congress, a lawsuit filed this week by a staffer for a, your home state, a Colorado congressman, Doug Lamborn. Yes. Sounds like a guy who owns a car dealership or two, doesn't he? Uh, Elway probably bought him out. At yeah, probably point. not, yeah. But Doug Lambert, Chevy. Doug Lamborn, Chevrolet. Yeah, totally can, can do that. See that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so lawsuit uh, accusing him of, you know, basically, you know, having that dangerous environment, exposing his staff to COVID. Um, not really much more to say from that angle, but I think there's a fun side story yeah. of all of this. Uh, uh, and somebody told us, like, I, I like I heard about it. A couple people said, you should just skim through the complaint because it's funny. Yes. So, Representative Lamb, I'm, I'm, this is a quote from the complaint that I'm reading. It here, is. Right? Okay, it let, is. I'm going to quote the complaint as best I can. Uh, Representative Lamborn allowed his son to live in congressional space. Lamborn gave his son the necessary access to live in a storage area in the basement of the U.S. Capitol for a period of weeks when Lamborn's son relocated to Washington, D.C. for work. Now, I'm visualizing this, first of all, that he, is, he has his red swing line stapler in his, in his little storage space. Um, and I've seen, you know, online, Twitter, whatever, people talking about people living in their mother's basement. Like, you're living in your dad's basement and... Dad's office basement? In, the, in Congress. Like... I, I mean, there are so many questions here, right? Like, right. Like, uh, like, are there? Uh, does each congressman have, like, or congressperson have a storage space in the basement of the well, heart building? Well, I mean, building? like, is I it like a Chicago apartment where you got your like your little storage? Like, is it like a small storage space? Is it like I don't know, like its own kind of office? I don't. Like, I want to know all of these things. None of these buildings are new, by the way. Right. So you know, I and I think somebody on NPR said like. I'd rather live in the Senate office building basement because there are fewer rats. <laughs> right. Well, and here, here's the thing. Like, I'm like, I'm now like, all right. So he's living in a storage space. Like, so I'm just imagining him, like, in his, like, bathrobe. 
walk into the like nearest bathroom inside of like where does he shower? I have all of the questions. I don't know. I have all of They're the probably, questions. There's probably like there's probably like a Congress gym or whatever I assume, so, but So well there is a Congress gym. We heard yeah. about that before the last election. Yes. Anyway, yes. but imagine also saying dad, "Hey, hey dad, Congressman dad, uh, I'm going to try to get a job in DC. Can I stay with you?" And he's like, "Uh could you live in a cage in the basement? <laughs> yeah. How about your couch, Dad? Uh, I don't know. How about a cage in the basement? <laughs> yeah. The best I can do is cage in the basement. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, so that wraps up uh, all the sort of the domestic national politics, uh, everybody. Like, uh, I think we need to talk about our beer. And then uh, yeah. we can get to our international segment. I know. So, uh, so tell me about your beer, sir. Well, look, we are at Half Acre, and I, I, you know, Half Acre has never done me wrong. Um, and if you know Half Acre, uh, and I, I, I should say this, so we're at Belmoral. Um, they originally were on Lincoln Ave in Lincoln Square. Yes. They have recently sold that space. Yeah, and I used to, like, walk there from yeah. my house, and, like, I've done a tour there. Like, I really love the yeah, space. Yeah, and we've done a, a cast from the yeah, tap from the room tap there. Room there. Um, they're concentrating up here, which is great. It's a, it's an amazing place. Um, they've also had a series of beers, um, like Space IPA, Deep Space IPA. Um, so Space has been involved. So when I got here and saw Beer Hates Astronauts, I had to get it. Right. I had to get it. So I, I started with this Beer Hates Astronauts IPA. I mean, it's it's what an IPA should be. It's uh, a little strong, very tasty, very hop forward, but yes. not uh, not so bitter that it ruins your your taste buds for everything else. Um, it was it was just smooth and good. And I honestly, we should probably have prefaced this by saying, you know what? When somebody brings you a beer and takes the empty glass away, it's going to taste better than the one you got out of your beverage That fridge. is 100% true. I mean, so it's very, very good. Yes. But yes. there's a modifier there. Yes. There's a video game buff. The <laughs> oh, this beer's been delivered by someone else, and they're taking away the glass. Plus eight to flavor. Cheer, cheers to... Beer delivery. Yeah. So what do you what do you what did you grab there? So it was in a completely different glass. Yeah. So I've got it in the fancy wine glass looking thing. I've I've been sticking to the sour side of things today. Um, so I started off with the human attention is sacred, uh, which it is. It is. Uh, it's a saison with hibiscus, cinnamon, and ginger salt, and it was quite delicious. And I'm now on the woven, which is a Mixed culture beer with honey. Um, that is very on brand for you. You're like, I don't yes. even know what's in this thing. I don't know. It's a bunch of words that sound complicated. Yeah, sure. Exactly. We probably just let this thing sit out for a while. Right. You're you're a big fan of the, you know. Just let the beer I'm sit I'm going to throw the wart <laughs> in the back, in the bed of a truck. Right. Next to a bag of drive gas. Drive it around. <laughs> drive it around. <laughs> and the gas catches on fire. Uh, exactly. We start over again. It's fine. No, no, it's fine. The flavor that adds a smoky flavor. Right. Exactly. Well, see, no, then I would like it. I'm just not into smoky things. Uh, I have to ask this. Yeah. How are your hops doing in your They're doing actually really well this year. Um, 
I have tried to grow hops over the last several years. Um, I had one batch that like they got a good start the first year. Second year, the uh, the super vortex ice cold weather we had uh-huh. murdered them. It's like okay, let me try again. Got it started that year, and the way hops work is like the second year is really when they sort of come around and really grow. Second year of those hops. They didn't go anywhere. I'm like, okay, like this is clearly done. But now the third year, they're just like, I totally thought they were a write-off. I ignored them. And suddenly I come out on the deck, you know, just like it's starting to just get a little warm. And like, I've got hops everywhere. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't have hops yet, but I have hops plants everywhere. Wow. So, yeah. So I might actually make beer this year. Who knows? That's amazing. That's amazing. One thing, I, you know, I have friends uh, who had hop plants in their backyard. And one day I came over to his house and we we're just chilling in the backyard. And he grabbed some fresh hops. And he threw it in his beer. And he's like, we're just going to sit here for five minutes before we drink our beer. And it was amazing. Yeah. The aromas that came off were amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think, like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a hop guy, but, like, I don't like the bitterness. And so what I'm I'm probably going to do is try to do something that's a lighter style of beer, but will have, like, that aromatic part of the hops in there. So we'll see. uh, See what I come up with. Nice. Nice. Want to talk about international? Let's talk about international. It's um, less fun. Uh, well, you know, I know you like talking about uh, all the uh, I- amusing things with uh, uh, Netanyahu. So, go ahead. Nothing amusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. That took a turn. I mean, the last month in Israel has been very difficult. Yes. So, you know, it's uh, we've just ended Ramadan. Eid Mubarak, uh, and they, there have been a number of things that have built up over the month of Ramadan. And, yeah. You know, I, I heard a, an analysis uh, earlier this week that talked about, you know, how Jewish calendars and Muslim calendars change, right? Their lunar calendar. So sometimes things overlap in a very, uh, yes. they overlap. The holidays overlap. And and that is happening, that has happened right now. And um, a number of actions and sort of seriously coincidental things have, have led to a rising of tensions in Jerusalem specifically. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not on us, I think, to go into all those details because... It's far too complicated to talk uh, talk about over beers, but you know we were we were sort of leading up to a day where there were some uh, Palestinians who had lived in in a neighborhood in East Jerusalem, which is traditionally Palestinian, who were being evicted, and the Supreme Court in Israel was supposed to rule on that, and there had been a lot of activism and, and a lot of energy around it. Again, also coming very near to the end of Ramadan, and like, um, and it turned out actually that the that the court delayed its decision on that. Yes, um, and it sounded like that was a that was at U.S. insistence actually, because we're like, hey, that's a bad idea um, to sort of talk about that right now. Um, but you know, uh, there were also restrictions of more restrictions of movement from. Muslims to places that they would traditionally sort of break their fast or celebrate, you know, and so during Ramadan, don't eat during the day, you know, you break the fast at night, 
and then there would be some some celebration. Nothing, and, nothing like provoking hangry people. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think there it is, right? Um, and then kind of coming to a head with lots of clashes between Palestinians and Israeli police at the yeah. Al-Aqsa Mosque. And one of the things about that that struck me was uh, I was reading a, like, I, I kind of came at this, you know, I've been hearing what's been going on, and I want to kind of say, like, okay, like, how the hell did we get here again? And the Israeli police wanted the uh, Al-Aqsa, Mar- uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque to not do the prayer broadcast that they always do um, because the president of Israel was going to be speaking nearby. So they asked them, please don't do your broadcast. They ignored that request because it's what they do every day. Yeah. And it's also during Ramadan. And so then the Israeli police came in and cut the audio for the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Like that, like it's, it's such an, it's one of those like needlessly provocative things like that. And that's what always happens with this is like, you have a little provocation, and then things start to snowball from there. Yeah. And you can, and if you're, and if you have any bit of forethought, you know that's coming. And so it's like, how much of that is somebody wasn't thinking ahead, and somebody was actually thinking ahead quite consciously. And so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and and you know, keep in mind the Al Aqsa Mosque is is not just sacred to Muslims, right? Because it's yes. also the site of the Temple of the Mount. Again, in a future broadcast, a we'll talk place. about that. <laughs> you yes. know, but like, it, it's as always, it's a mess, and and there's often action. There are often actions that are exclusive of the other the other sides. Recogni- a recognition of the other side's importance of certain things. Yes. And and then, you know, Hamas kind of came in and said, like, look, this isn't really us, but we're going to defend that. So, you know, Hamas, I would say, looking for an excuse, right? Because you've got what's happening in Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip are not the same, right? It's not the same groups of yep. people, and and I don't know I don't know any other way to say it other than it is a mess where nobody's right. Yeah, I mean, and, and my natural inclination in that is to hold the people who have the most power the most accountable, and so holding the state of Israel to more account because they have a very powerful military. They have the systems to defend them against a lot of the rocket attacks that they tend to get in these scenarios. Um, We had a situation where they bombed the building that AP and Al Jazeera are based out of in Israel. Um, Interesting timing in that apparently there was an uptick in sort of the overall violence of things around like shortly thereafter when those reporters would be, you know, somewhat scattered. Um, and I also think it's something to keep in mind is against this is the backdrop of COVID, where right. you have Israel is leading the world in terms of overall of vaccination rates, but not in the Palestinian territories. So, and I, I struggle with this to a degree because I don't have, 
I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. Um, I'm frustrated when I see this. I want things to be better, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Well, and I think the other backdrop is sort of leadership, right? So, yeah. you know, we just came out of our fourth election in two years in Israel. Yes. Which I always like to talk about because it's fascinating to me, where uh, Netanyahu was unable to form a government. Yeah. So he's very vulnerable right now. And it might help him. It, it very well might. Yeah. Um, and similarly on the Palestinian side, I mean, Mahmoud Abbas is not a very powerful leader of the Palestinian Authority. Um, for Hamas, this gives Hamas an opportunity to step up and show that they are leading. Yeah. Um, however violently. So, uh, you know, and the response from the U.S. has been muted. I think the word I used well, in the notes was Well, and we've, we have blocked a U.N. call for a ceasefire. So... My, my take on this is that, that the Biden administration wants to be behind the scenes, wants to say as little as possible in public to in, ho- in hopes of being able to exert as much influence as possible behind the scenes, mm. um, which is, you know, the opposite of what we've expected from our government or gotten from our government over the last number yeah. of years. So where the actual substance is in irrelevant, but the, you know, number of eyeballs on a screen is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Again, like I said, I don't think that there's a right answer. Um, I, uh, it's certainly, I, I will say coverage of it has told me that there's been much more balance in always reporting, you know, the fact that, you know, the Israelis have a far superior military force. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh, thousands of rockets launched by Hamas and and some lives have been lost. But fewer, you know, it's less than 10. Yeah. And, you know, the Israelis are like, well, we can we're going to we have a list of targets that we're going to use our F-16s against. And, you know, we hey, we're going to we're so dialed in. We're going to call the building and say. We're going to destroy yes, the building yeah, in the an AP hour. the AP building. Like, yeah. weren't any journalists in it because they called ahead of time and said, hey, we're going to blow up that building. Can yeah. you please leave? I mean, that shows you a different level of sophistication. And you just kind of say, as you said, like, who's got who's got the responsibility for for that? And when Joe Biden comes out and says, like, I don't see a, an inappropriate response, right? You just go, like, well, I don't know. How you, me- how do you measure that? Agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, how do you measure that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's a, that's not good. Uh, speaking of not good, India. India. I mean, over the last four weeks, 2.4 new ca- million new cases of COVID per and week. And that's, that's you know, what we know about. Yeah, that's what we know. I mean, it's almost certainly much higher. Yeah, I just, I, I, it, it, also terrifying when you hear, like, oh, you probably hear about one tenth of the cases. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, wait, 200 million cases of 
okay, well, maybe that could happen. Like, you know. Yeah. And um, so they've had, you know, shortages of oxygen. There's been uh, companies trying to fly in, like, s- supplies from other places. Um, it's very crazy. You know, and, you know, we talked at the very beginning of the podcast about, um, you know, the, the policy changes here and the vaccines and all that. And even if you have no feelings about the fate of people living in India right now, every single person who gets infected is another chance that the vaccine, that the, excuse me, the virus mutates. Yeah. And that changes the course of the pandemic in the long run. Yeah. And that's, and we're seeing variants in India that aren't anyplace else. Right. The combo variant, like, huh, taking a little bit of the Brazil variant. We take a little bit of the, I will say the, like the multi-mutant straight, like, come on guys. Like it's like, this is the, the press people getting a little out of hand, I think. But, yeah, uh, I thought it was a little weird when it was like, you know, producer Joss Wheat. combo mutant. And I was like, like well, wait on. a minute. <laughs> come on. Hold on. But, um, but still. you know. But yeah, you know, and I, uh, the vaccines are hard to get there. The irony being that a lot of the vaccines are made there. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know what the distribution would be like for something like the Pfizer, the Moderna vaccine because of the, the rigorous uh protocols you have around the temperature control mm-hmm. but you know like the J&J vaccine like is that something we're going to have there hopefully um, we're going to see more supply coming from the US now that we don't need it and yeah. I'm hoping that we will be investing heavily in providing those vaccines to others rather than simply saying okay well we're done here's our leftovers and we're good um, we shouldn't be done but uh, maybe we're going to be done done-ish and, and yes. you know this is this is really about global community right? yep and, you know, we're not going to stop traveling. Yeah. And people are not going to stop traveling. I, I just, you know, when I, I've talked to a couple people who have said, like, well, it seems weird, you know, like, how could this, what's happening in India affect us here? You know, you go, like, well, maybe ask why the variant first identified in Brazil is identified in India. Yeah. Have right? you... Have you read or uh, are you familiar with the story, the Edgar Allan Poe story, Mask of the Red Death? I am not. Okay. Other than it's mask with a Q-U. Yes, it's Q-U-E. Uh, mask of the Red Death, um, the, the plot of it is um, there is a plague going on and all of the wealthy and powerful or whatever, like all sort of bunker down in their palace and they're parting it up while everybody around, outside dies around them. And what happens is basically, if, at, spoiler alert, uh, the, it gets inside the building. And so it's kind of that same sort of thing yeah. is we can, you know, you can write that off, but ultimately the virus keeps moving around. And as long as it can keep moving around, there's a chance it mutates. It's a chance that the vaccines stop being effective, and so we got to be mindful yeah. of that. It, you know, like, and it's totally, if you're just going to do enlightened self-interest, you should actually care about the the lives of those people. But even if you don't, but even if you don't, there's a reason to you're care. You're still tied in. Yes, you're still tied in. So I think that's us for. Yeah, Nation, so that's world. national, cheese, international. I realized we had one more pretzel bite. You know, we didn't talk about the pretzel bites. We got to talk about the pretzel bites real quick. Pretzel bite break. Uh, so we got pretzel bites because that's what we do. These are we particularly do. good pretzel bites. I just realized there was one last pretzel bite left. You, you couldn't see behind your massive iPad I could not see it iPad behind my massive Pro. iPad. Um, it is, the cheese is now a little cold. 
The pencil's now a little cold. But I'm still going to do I'm it. But I'm going to try it, and we'll see how it goes. Your iPad has more cameras than I own. It does have a lot of cameras. That's true. It's many many um, cameras. It's still good. It is still good. Yeah. It was very good when it was warm. Yeah, no, they were they were quite good. Um, you know, pretzel bites for all. Really do love the pretzel bites. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. And we've got new beers. Yes. Uh, what did you get? I got a, uh, it's a garden bitter. So, you know, it's an ESB, so it's not really even a bitter. But the idea is, you know, this English bitter style beer, it's low ABV, just supposed to be crisp and light and nice to drink outside. And it is all of those, all Excellent. of those things. Excellent. And I got the Battle of Trenton. Shout out to New Jersey, I guess. Um, but it is a wild ale with, uh, you know, kind of keeping to the vibe here, with peach tea and mint. Sure. It's it's delicious. Uh, EJ said I had to order it, and so I did. Well, I mean, I again, it's very, it's very on brand for you. Yes. Right? I mean, you like the... Although, if we, f- we went to a, like a... If we went to a tap room that was like run by Belgian monks, like that would be my sweet spot. But and remember, this is a the Battle of Trenton um, was during the Revolutionary War. It was Boxing Day, okay. so December twenty sixth. Shout out to seventeen seventy six American victory. Yes, there it is. That's so. what they should have called it: American victory on Boxing Day. Yes, Battle of Trenton. So we've done we've done beer. We've done some news and politics and stuff. We did some pretzels. We did a pretzel. We did some more beer. Local. Local. We haven't talked about Chicago in a while. And Chicago just, it continues to blow my mind with how crazy our politics are. All the time. Yes. All of the time. These last few weeks, really not changing anything in that regard. Um. I mean, I guess you want to start by talking about COVID-19 and... Yes, I feel like we we have to, at least for hopefully not much more than the next few weeks. Uh, Illinois is set to return to normal on June 11th, which sounds crazy. Um, Now, that's prior to the recent change in CDC policy. So So Pritzker is apparently looking at it, might shift things. We don't know exactly what the ramifications of that are yet going to be. Um, but overall, things are looking good. Cases are down. Positivity rate is down. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think, like, overall... I think testing is also down, too. Right. But that's actually, though, if testing is down and positivity is down, that means that's good. <laughs> if testing is up and positivity is down, down... That's also good. That's also good. If testing is down and positivity is up, up. that's bad. That's bad. Right. Okay. Yes. You know, I look forward to us getting back to positivity, positivity just being a, an attitude. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just an attitude. I mean, I, I will say that they've, you know, done a pretty good job making things available. I know in terms of vaccinations, there are now crews going out to neighborhoods, which is really good. So, you know, especially on the south and west sides of Chicago, I... I you know, you can't have everything being technology and phone based in terms of scheduling appointments and stuff. So, 
Um, that's a good thing. Yes. And now kids from 12 to 15 are available. And they've got that all kind of worked out. So. Yep. That's good. That's good. And I, I, you know, talking to some restaurant owners in Chicago, and by some I mean three. Yes. They've all said, we're going to follow guidelines with a little delay. So, oh, we could have 75% capacity. We're going to be at 60%. You know, we're not going to. We're not going to push the envelope yet. Yeah. Um, which may be a factor of the places I tend to go. I I would bet that is true. Um, but also, you know. and Like, I know places where it's like, they're like, oh, we're at 50% capacity. And you think 50% capacity. Okay, so the tables are spread out to fill up the, the space of 50%. But then you realize what they've actually done is just cut the space in half and just don't serve anybody in one half of the place. Mm. So... A little that bit of a rules exploit there. But anyhow. Uh, rules exploit. Moving on. Uh, yeah, but we're coming up on the bridge. We're coming up on the bridge. Is what the Illinois call yes, it, right? Yes, yes, yes. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like we're we're on the right track. We'll see if there's an uptick around any of these changes. But I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. So two things about that. I, and I, I think this is a good segue into, you know, I think there have been two kind of big chunks of news one is Lori Lightfoot has poor email security <laughs> yes. and two we keep electing criminals so the COVID thing is a good segue into the poor email security yes because we found out through a series of hacked hacked I don't know I think hacked is too loose a term probably done by some cyber ninjas but right <laughs> but we found out that Lori was like I don't know if I'm gonna abide by the by uh, Pritzker's call for limiting people in restaurants last year. Yeah. Like, you know, and I gave a lot of credit to how things have been handled, both at the state and the city level. Um, that is uh, a disappointing revelation, shall we say, that, uh, that she was looking to push back against that. Um, I, I'm inclined to think that it's because she's looking to get support from, uh, you know, the restaurant you know, that that's sort of that part of uh, the money supply that goes into politics. Um, yeah, but, not but, good. But, but like, that's like that's not even the that's definitely no, not the worst. No, of no. It. I mean, so this was in mid-April, about the 20th. Yeah. Tens of thousands of emails were released. Yes. By a group calling uh, called the Distributed Denial of Secrets. First of all. <laughs> I like that one. Pretty good that name. Is, that is better pretty than good Cyber name. Ninjas. Better than Cyber Ninjas. <laughs> Um, and there's a database you can go out to. You know what? When we post this link to Facebook, I will I will include the link to that because it's it's fascinating, right? Like sixty thousand emails between sort of top officials, yeah. and it's wide ranging. You can search them, you can cut them, you can. I, I mean, it, it is, is the Google of Hack Chicago email. Yeah, it is really really interesting. And sure, there are some ethical questions about how they got them and releasing them. Fine, I don't care because it's 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 given us a bunch of different views into the administration. Yes. You know, so one was you know around like, hey, maybe we're just going to let people eat in restaurants if they want to eat in restaurants because whatever. Um, that was a thing. Um, lots of things around George Floyd protests. So. So I think one of the bigger criticisms of Lori Lightfoot, and I believe well-deserved, has been 
how she ran with respect to social justice and how she has acted with vis-a-vis the police. Oh, yeah. And protests. Yes. And I don't know if she's trying to walk some kind of tightrope. I, I, I don't. I yeah. know she's not. <laughs> well, yeah. If she was trying to walk some kind of tightrope, she has fallen off of that tightrope yes, by now. Everybody um, hates Like, you know, so coming into office, um, she had promised to establish a police oversight plan in her first 100 days. I believe we're past that now, yes? I don't know. Time is a flat circle. That's true. Um, but it hasn't happened in the last year, which I believe is still right. 365 days. Um, but what you see in the emails is things like um, there was a... Lightfoot wanted to, uh, you know, sent, put out a notice to say that, you know, they're condemning the death of uh, George Floyd and calling for justice, right? And it was like, and one of the advisors is like, that's cool, but um, we should probably have a policy attached to that because otherwise that's going to be super awkward. And when the press conference comes up, it'll be like, so what are you doing about it? And it'll be like, uh, I don't know. Um, uh. The email actually described it as, for the spokesperson, as being a quote-unquote crap spot. Which, you know, I will say, they at least have some cognizance of we're writing an email at work that might get exposed later when somebody hacks us. So let's not go with shit show. <laughs> let's go with crap spot. Well, presumably, that was some sort of autocorrect. Right. <laughs> now I'm just imagining what, had, what would have happened if the emails of Rahm Emanuel had gotten hacked. Having met Rahm Emanuel, I'm sure they were far more profane. Oh, yes. All, all the f- uh, todos. <laughs> todos. 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 I, I, yeah. And I, I mean, it, it really has, and, and we could go into any number of threads and like, you know, sort of disagreements with aldermen, disagreements with the press, anger at the press. You know, apparently Lightfoot canceled her Chicago <laughs> Tribune subscription. Dun, dun, dun. She didn't like the coverage. Like, it's just petty. <laughs> and like, you want to know the bad news. I don't like. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, but also just things like, you know, you, you look at some of the, the tone. The tone of the administration is not a cooperative one. Yeah. Right. And and I don't mean that in a sort of, you know, I was expecting it to be cooperative, but I was expecting it to be more aligned with progressive values yes. for some reason. Yes. And we're not even talking about things like elected school board, which anger. But, you know, like it just doesn't seem to be reflected in the administration. And we know that there were a lot of holdovers from the, the Emmanuel administration soon-to-be ambassador to Japan, Rahm Emanuel. I had a poll I asked on Facebook where I was asking, where, where should Rahm Emanuel be ambassador to other than Japan? Uh, I think the winning answer was hell. Hell, yeah. <laughs> In fairness, Japan's got a higher COVID spike, so, you know, drop him in. Right. Um, and it, it's just... It has been confirming of all of the things that people kind of thought and feared, right? That that the commitment to civ- civilian oversight of uh, of the police is not really there. Um, that 
that sort of a democratization of things is not really there. You know, the uh, Lori again ran on very progressive policies, um, and it just doesn't. It, it isn't reflective in reflected in some of those sort of internal communications, which I think is very telling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's that. Um, do we have any indictments to talk about? Yeah, it turns out we do. It turns out we do. Strange. Uh, um, uh, uh, Ricardo Munoz, uh, former alderman, and Patrick Daly Thompson. And so when you hear Patrick Daly Thompson, I, you like hear other than his first name being Patrick, I feel like it's just like a we're just a mishmash of like his, if his first name was like Blago Daly Thompson, it would be like the most Chicago yeah, corrupt yeah, politics exactly. name ever. Exactly. So he's uh, alderman of uh, essentially Bridgeport, right? Like that area, you know, like that right. part of the world. Right. Um, uh, uh, recently indicted tax yeah. fraud, uh, personal and business income tax fraud. Yes. yes. And all of this is kind of trickling out of the wide ranging investigations stemming from things with Madigan. Yes. Right? Because, like, as soon as they started to pull a thread, like, yeah, they found Which all Madigan the Which Madigan has not been yet indicted. No, not yet. But but we keep getting closer, I feel like. Uh, we're Like, there's talk of additional indictments coming out related to the COVID, the com, excuse me, not COVID, ComEd. Yeah. I was like, not unrelated? No, not related. Yes, they are not related. Yeah. No, uh and that is almost assuredly going to happen. Yeah. And what's actually been the most interesting reading for me has not been from the newspapers, uh, but been from the Department of Justice. So, yeah. like, if you just search, and this, I thought, I, I actually laughed out loud. It was a LLOL, literal laugh out loud. Yes. When I was searching for indicted Chicago aldermen, the first site that comes up is Department of Justice. <laughs> Well, so there you go. I, yes. There's going to be more to come yes. on that. More to come. I, there were two things, sh- very Chicago-specific, that I, I want to talk about saving. And actually, one is the Chicago Tribune. You know, they're, I don't agree with the Chicago Tribune editorial board Ever? for the most part. <laughs> no, 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 I can't say that. It's the 80-20 rule. It's the 80-20 rule, yes. Because yeah. um, the... They did endorse my wife for Alderman. Oh, well, all right, fine. <laughs> so, yeah. But I also know some people there. Greg Pratt, who does the political reporting, is a very straightforward, straight guy. Yeah. Great guy. Um, and, you know, the Tribune is going to get bought. And the competing parties are sort of what appears it's to be. It's not going to make it better. Is, is, is well, the it could make it okay. worse. Or it could make it better. Okay, okay. Right? And I think that that's the, you know, if you want somebody in the ilk of Sinclair Media running the Tribune, right, you do not. not. What you can't see, because we're not on camera, is my eye twitching. Yeah, it's it's bad. In response to that. And, and so, you know, I think there are lots of people trying to organize groups to buy the Tribune to make it more community-focused yeah. and not... You know, like what I want is like the Chicago Tribune and uh, Block Club Chicago to be like and and the reader to be like merged into this sort of like community connected, somewhat grassrootsy, but has resources. Yeah. And the onion journalism thing and the onion. Because why not? And the onion. 
Um, so that's one thing. And the second is the Thompson Center, which is going up for sale. I, the I swear it's been up for sale for at least two decades now. But Yeah, I don't know. But it's, <laughs> it's a big thing again. Is it going to get sold? Is it going to get torn down? Who knows? I think we should keep it. Like, I feel like, like they built it. And we're immediately like, this was a bad idea. <laughs> it's a weirdly circular, awesome building. Right. I'm all for it. I'm like, all for I, it's, it. a, it's very unique architecture. It yeah. is not, and we're not saying it's an attractive building, I, I, but, it's, know, but, it, but it's, it's distinctive. And we, so, like, like yes. you know, like, there's, like, brutalist architecture where it's like, you're like, that's pretty scary, but yet kind of appealing in its way. Yeah. It's, it's different. I love it. I'm. Um, Maybe not love it, but I'm here for it. Yes. So keep it. Uh, the other thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to Alderman uh, Rosa, who got engaged in the last week. Well, there you go. So congratulations, congratulations Alderman Rosa, if you made it this far in the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, wow. rate us on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, no, rate us on iTunes. Which is now Apple Podcasts. Uh, sure. So I thanks, assume. everybody, for joining us today for our return to... yeah. The real life, in person, with the Britney Spears mics and our beers. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.